the danger is that people reach for tools like uh, demos and onboarding videos without really knowing what problem they're trying to solve or without running headlong into it and saying, oof, we got to come up with a solution for this. Instead, they're like, okay, great. I heard about this onboarding videos thing. We're going to do that. If only two people show up, no big deal. Just keep doing it. And I think to Allison's point, um, if it doesn't pass muster in terms of how much it costs, it doesn't matter if it sounds really neat or if it's something that some customers ask for. If you don't really know across your user base and across your um, onboarding journey, like whether what problem you're trying to solve, you're going to end up doing all these practices that don't actually do anything. Hey y'all, I'm Chase Clemens. Welcome back to the Support Ops Hangout. This is a show that helps you deliver a better support experience to your customers. Now, we have some of the best and brightest and smartest and whatever other est word you want to say on our crew. Uh, Chase Livingston's out, Carolyn is out, but Jeff from Wistia is here. Here, how are you? We have some of the best and brightest, but they're out. <laughs> they're out of their space. So we rolled the B team in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. So I rolled a nine-sided die and Jeff's on the panel. <laughs> great, Chase. I'm doing really, really well. Thanks for asking. Oh, come on. This is like episode 153 or something like that. You've been on at least 120 of them. Uh, they're all the worst ones. <laughs> oh, and then our special guest for this week, Allison from Higher Eyes. How are you? I'm well, Chase. Thanks for having me. Just a, like a fun note, there's a literal cat fight that is happening behind me. So if at any point you hear that happening, just please accept my apologies. Oh, so quick, get your bets in now, basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which one will win? Which one will lose? Will Allison lose her mind? Story at 10. Stay tuned. You'll find all that and more in this week's episode <laughs> yeah. of. So this week, we're talking about classes. Uh, as part of the onboarding process. Customers love online classes and demos that, that help get them up to speed on a new product like ours. Now, from the team side, it's, it's often easier to, to kind of host these weekly trainings rather than do an individual demo sales type thing every single time. So with today's episode, we're going to take a look at how effective those are and if your team should be offering them. So Allison, we'll give you first dibs at this one. Um, High rise specifically, since you're there now, I don't think, but I, I don't, I didn't see anyways that y'all were offering any kind of public classes like that for new high rise customers. We are not, but here is an interesting question I want to throw back to you. <laughs> Have you ever taught a high rise? class in the past no never okay so this might not have been a thing that ever existed at high-rise even like before we were at high-rise when you were at high-rise yeah so even when so back in the 37 signal days when we owned high-rise our focus was base camp for the most part um so this would have been 2000 i don't know call it 2013 ish something like that we started classes with base camp two um and a lot of that was born out of the necessity of we've got this brand new product that's coming up. We have all these Basecamp classic customers that are going to need to know what this new product is like. Uh, we were expecting, you know, lots of interest in, in it from non-Basecamp customers. So I remember we timed the release of Basecamp 2 for a uh, meetup, a company meetup in Chicago. We were all there. 
And we said, hey, one of the best ways we can get out ahead of this is if we just offer weekly, at that time it was daily, a daily class, an intro to Basecamp 2 class that'll cover all the basics. And for people that want that kind of interaction, we can point them toward that. So we did, I think that first week we did like two days, basically, Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday, something like that. Um, but yeah, we, we never did high rise. It's definitely something that we um, continually think about and talk about. Um, I just have some, you know, maybe not so positive thoughts on whether or not that's actually helpful. So, <laughs> Jeff with Wistia, uh, are y'all offering anything like that right now? So I don't think we're doing anything like that right now. We have in the past. Um, the biggest problem with the live stuff is attendance because i think to to your point i mean we should probably we can probably take a step back and talk about like the benefits like why does why does every team and multiple times in their sort of history or timeline come up with this brilliant idea of like let's do these classes yeah so let's start there wistia why did y'all start yeah so i think originally it was mostly about the like two big things one is we keep getting emails from people that kind of hinted at the idea that they did not know how to use the application, right? People would write in and say, nobody, I mean, I've said this in the past. I still feel this way. It's very rare that someone will write in and say, I really like the idea of your product. I just don't know how to use it. It's much more common that they'll say, this is way too confusing. Or they'll ask a question like, does this functionality exist? And the thing is they know it exists. What they're looking for is for you to not only tell them, Yes, you can do it, but also here's how you can do it. And I know because I've asked that question, right? You don't want to ask the open-ended question of, I don't know how to use this thing because you don't want to feel like an idiot. Um, although I do all the time anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so that's one part. People didn't necessarily know how to do it. Uh, and then the other part is that we were sick of doing it on these one-off, like a one-off basis, right? You batch them all together. You get a bunch of people in a room and you can go through the basics and what we believe is that people who understand how to use a product are more likely to buy it, right? In this world where the buyer and the user are the same person, if you don't know how to use it and you don't feel that you don't have like a mental model for how it works, then you're not going to spend money on it. That just doesn't, for some reason, well, it makes sense, but it just doesn't click. Um, yeah, so that's we, straight out of the, the Kathy Sarah school of thought, just out teach everybody absolutely. else. Just exact. I completely agree with that. Um, so a number of times we said, okay, we're getting overrun with these requests and the the existence of these requests tell us that there's opportunity for more people to buy, right? More informed people would buy. So let's do these classes. Let's just do a class and, and see where that gets us. And that's sort of where the problems start, but I, I figure we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, yes, those say, are the pluses. A, I was going to say there's a catch to that, right? Yeah, so well, let's kind of compare and contrast here with, with Hi-Rise. So with Hi-Rise, haven't been offering them yet. We didn't, like I mentioned, when it was back a 37 Signals product. Um, so why is, like, are you all even thinking about it? And if you are, why? We have definitely bandied it around. And to be quite honest, I don't know if it's because so much of that is a part of my background. And when Chris and I talk about other ways we can like help people and Chris is my other support teammate, by the way, uh, help and, and, you know, cause our main goal is we just want people to 
get off and running like right off the bat and how we want to help them do that in any way we can because high rise is actually not that um, difficult of a product. In fact, that's kind of one of the things we pride ourselves on is like, we want to be the easiest CRM you can use. So in theory, you shouldn't need a demo or a class or a webinar on how to use high rise. There are one or two things though, that, you know, are a little tricky to get up and running. And we do realize that like, if we could really hammer these one or two points home, it would be extremely helpful to people. But I think we're also in a position right now where we, the uh, costs outweigh the benefits. So for us, the cost would be our time. And in the two to five hours a week that it would take to, um, you know, put something like that on, um, could we be doing something better with that time? And right now the answer is yes. Yeah, I think for a lot of teams. So when we originally looked at it at Basecamp, the, the time saving was actually a, a benefit that we were looking at because we were kind of doing these one-off things. There was lots of interest, at least from customers emailing into us. And we kind of realized like some of these customers, they tend to be ones that um, expect is kind of a loaded word, but kind of expect Basecamp to offer something like this. One's coming from kind of bigger companies, government institutions, universities, things like that, where it's natural to buy this new thing and then have training on it, whether it be like in-person training or some kind of online uh, video conferencing training, that kind of thing. So we were getting these requests and, and at the time it was, we didn't really, we felt bad saying no. So we thought, hey, like let's actually save some time on this. We'll batch everything together. We'll do this like, you know, two times a week, something like that, and kind of direct people over to a page that says, hey, you want to take a class? That's fine. Sign up. We'll do like a walkthrough of Basecamp. We'll have a live Q&A. Uh, we'll answer questions right there with you and, and kind of at least then we, we answer those emails and we... Sh- Shuffle is a bad word, but we, we divert those uh, those customers off into a, a class uh, to get started. It's a lot better than just being like, hey, no, we don't do that. <laughs> Jeff looked, yeah. looked like he had a thought. No, I, well, I have a number of thoughts. I don't have any of this written down, so it's just going to be random yeah. stream of thought. But in any case, we, so we, we've gone towards this several times um, to go back to our hero's journey. And every time we've been sort of rebuffed after a while. And mostly it's because the cost benefit didn't end up making, makes sense, making sense, right? Because you, you, in a, in a bubble, you think to yourself, okay, every single customer who has this set of questions will go to our webinar, right? They'll all just go to the webinar or the support person will just divert them to the webinar. They will attend and then their question will be answered. Instead, that runs headlong into the idea of, I'm already talking to you, so why don't I just help you, right? Which is a support person's credo that I don't think we should ever really get away from. It's like, even if you send people to the, like, to the, the you know, help guide or doc or whatever you call it, you should still help the person. Right? Like if it's doable, do it and tell them how to do it next time. Like that, that kind of thing, like actually help the person as opposed to just being sort of a transaction, uh, what are those people called? The phone operator mm-hmm. type thing. And it's like time shifting in a negative way. Yeah, it's saying know. like right now, like you've got this question 
and I could answer it and maybe I am going to answer it. And then I'm going to tell you, Hey, go take this, this class, this training that's two days from now at like eight o'clock in the morning. Right. And it's right when you don't want it to be. So you have to take away some of your time to do it. By the way, it's only at sort of normal speed. There's no way to speed through it whatsoever because it's being done live. Um, which then brought us, I mean, just to follow the train of thought, which then brought us the idea of, oh, okay, there's a ton of people, especially from different time zones that can attend the 8 a.m. You know, Eastern time training, whatever. Well, we'll have a recorded version for those folks, I guess. Then you kind of get to the idea of like, well, why not just have a recorded version for everybody? And we end up in a place where you record it once you put it out there and then you don't, I think the problem that we ran into at least and, you know, are still working to solve, which is interesting being that we're an analytics company is understanding the connection between people who watch and people who buy. Mm -hmm. Is that a good, but I think you, you, I mean, not to jump all the way to the end of the episode, but Allison was talking about four to five hours a week. You suddenly turn that into four to five hours once, right. With like, and, So yeah, Allison, you mentioned uh, with the, that, that time there that Jeff was talking about, um, two-person team, I'm sure that like that is just huge for, for, for a two-person team to spend four to five hours a week doing something like this. You, you really have to see that it's a, the right investment at that moment. Absolutely. And it's not that we don't have the bandwidth to do it because we totally do. And I think that's why it can, continues to be part of the conversation. And I think that's where... It's, uh, it's like kind of a sexy thing, right? Like you get out there, you get in front of people, you're talking, you're selling and oh God, I hate that word so much. But, um, you know, you're, you're doing your thing. You're like the wheels are moving forward and, you know, you really kind of have to take a step back from that and say, the, what's my main goal? And our main goal as a collective people is to help everyone whose paths we cross in any way that we can. Very tall order, right? And so... If you can help with your specific product in this instance, if that's a good way to go, then, you know, it might be worth, completely worth that time investment. For us, it's just not. So, um, and I would be happy to talk about, and we may get this to this at the end, but I'd be happy to talk about all the ways that I have failed. I've been doing this for like 10 years now, and I have failed in many iterations of doing webinars or live classes. And I'm happy to share all those failures with everyone, but it's, um, I'm not trying to say like, it's not for everyone out there, but at the same time, that time chunk Mm -hmm. is what is going to be the most valuable way that I can help people in that time. And if, if it's webinars, that's great for, for just the, the, the many times I have done it, that's not been the answer. Yeah, I think with us, with Basecamp, we were, so to, to borrow from Jeff's like journey earlier, you know, Basecamp 2 launches, we decided to do these two a days because we're just pumping information out at that point. And, you know, there was two of us that were doing these. So when you're doing two a days, that's two hours a day that you're devoting to this. But the number of people that we were reaching at that moment was worth those two hours because those trainings would see four, five, six hundred people in them. So they were really effective, really quick ways to get those out there. And then really big like QAs that you can just kind of churn through these questions quickly on. So there, the time made sense. 
And then we run into problems like Jeff was talking about. Well, what happens when you only offer this twice a week at 8 a.m. in the morning and you've got people in other parts of the world? Well, it's Basecamp. We're all remote. We run 24-7 support. We'll just teach the other shifts. Like we'll, we'll teach other people on the, uh, the, in the, uh, uh, the Australian Asian team and then the, the European team. We'll teach them how to do it. And we did. And we kind of like rock and rolled with that for a while and everything was fine. Uh, we added another class. So we were doing an intro class and a client's class. Uh, and then we kind of, as the team grew, we kind of, as a company came together and said, Hey, Basecamp, we're pushing 50, 55 people. Now we could easily grow the company to double this size, but is that something we really want to do? And as a company, we said, no, not really. Like we all enjoy working at small businesses. Jason and David came right out and, right out and said, Hey, like we don't, we don't want to run a company of a hundred people. We'd rather stay around the 50 to 60 person mark. And that made us as a support team look and say, all right, well, this is, if this is kind of the upper edge of where, how, how big of a team we want to grow, what do we do to make things calm and, and controllable going forward? So we said, look, these classes, you know, they're, they're taking up chunks of time now. They're still doing all right. We're still talking, you know, 50 to hundred people in the class, but the big benefit out of those is the Q and a session. It's not the, the standard content stuff at the beginning, we can divert those over into a video like Jeff mentioned earlier. So we did that. We took and chunked that over into, into videos that anybody can watch at any time. And then we took the folks that were doing the classes and said, Hey, what if we offered, we literally stole this from help scout. I think um, we, we said, what if we offer just a Q and a, so we set up a 30 minute Q and a, we call it ask an expert Folks can stop in if they want to. They can ask a question if they want to. It's much smaller in scope. It's 30 minutes twice a week. So we're talking an hour out of the whole week. And that's it. And that has done just fine for those customers that needed something like that. We send them the, the recorded content. They can watch that. They can jump in to a Q&A if they want that kind of real live interaction. Uh, and that's kind of where we are now. Is that I don't know if that's going to like hold up this time next year, but that's where we are now. But Chase, uh, just uh, to comment on that, I think there's something really valuable in that story that you just told. There's two audiences that you're talking about there. One, to go all the way back, is we have this new version of this product that these people have been using for, what, 15 years now? Mm-hmm. They, we need to teach them how to use this new product because they're comfortable with the old product. They need to know where all those pieces fit. That to me is a completely different conversation than here's a brand new person off the street who's kind of looking for something. They don't know what they're going to try base camp because I don't, I'm sure that we have all experienced that people who come to us in the very beginning don't even really know the question that they want to ask. Right? So there's a big difference between doing classes or webinars or whatever word we want to label them with, with like, this is a brand new feature set. We need to teach you. You already know the questions that need to be asked as opposed to here's a whole new group of people who can't even formulate those questions in their head yet. Not quite sure what's going on. And that's a whole other ball of wax. So, you know, I think it's one thing to say we have these really successful classes teaching people base camp three versus we had a, you know, somewhat successful time teaching brand new people off the street, what base camp is. Yep. I think that's, <clears throat> I think that's exactly right. I think that that's totally right. My question for you, Chase was, and this is sort of an addition to that is that ask the expert, why not just at, why not just write into support? I mean, Basecamp support is 
super fast. Why go to this extra session? Because sometimes like, uh, like Allison said, you don't know the question you need to ask. Sometimes it's, it's you sitting in, in a class with somebody else. They ask the question, you go, oh, oh. And with that answer, I need this question. And, and that connection right there is, uh, look, we can, do our, we can do the best that we can as support pros every single day and, and answer a question that comes in and try to anticipate the next one that they might be thinking about. But a lot of times, if you're not in their industry or if you're not in their problem, you don't really know what other questions that they might have. So we like those Ask an Expert classes because they're smaller. You know, we're, we're talking 10 to 15 people with those. They're, they're shorter, 30 minutes. They're run by one person instead of two. So we have the load there. And it gives customers a chance to jump in, for those that want it, to jump in and hear other questions from other people. Uh, and I'm sure y'all can relate to like how many times have you been on a call with a customer, like a sales call, support call, anything like that. You get to the end and the customer says, all right, well, what have I not asked that I should be asking? And this kind of helps. It doesn't fully answer that, but the, the ask an expert class is one way to, to kind of help answer that. Does that make and sense? what medium do y'all do those mm -hmm. in? Please? Yeah, uh, so we use GoToWebinar right now. Okay, so there's it's like a live screen sharing yeah, situation. Okay, screen share questions come in, you work through them, um, and we we right now we offer those varied through the day, so we get morning folks and afternoon folks. I mean, this is kind of meta, but <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just worth saying that what I like about that story is that you actually know the problem that you're trying to solve. Like the reason why I asked that question was to clarify, do you, like, is it clear what problem Basecamp is trying to solve? And I think the, the I don't know, the, the danger is that people reach for tools like uh, demos and onboarding videos without really knowing what problem they're trying to solve or without running headlong into it and saying, oof, we got to come up with a solution for this. Instead, they're like, oh, okay, great. I heard about this onboarding videos thing. We're going to do that. If only two people show up, no big deal. Just keep doing it. And I think to Allison's point, um, if it doesn't pass muster in terms of how much it costs, it doesn't matter if it sounds really neat um, or if it's something that some customers ask for. If you don't really know across your user base and across your um, onboarding journey, like whether what problem you're trying to solve, you're going to end up doing all these practices that don't actually do anything and your team will just keep doing them rather than sort of stopping the line and saying like, Hey, like, why are we doing this? Um, to your, to the point of your story, there, there needed to be some sort of transformation moment at like the Jason and David level for the support team to step back and say like, no, this just isn't our top priority. Yeah. And to give that permission to say no, right? Like as support people, we're always like, we want to say yes as much as we can for customers sometimes no is the right answer and it can kind of be, especially for, for folks that might be newer on your support team, that can be a little tough. But when, you know, when your CEO or leadership or whoever steps up and says, look, we want to make sure that your job is not stressful, that it's calm, that you've got enough time in your day to do the best work that you can do. And if that means saying no to some things, then we say no. And that's just how it is. That's just part of the limitations that we have as a small company. I mean, Allison, I'm sure you all know this more than anybody else. You've got two people on your support team. So even if you wanted to do sales calls and trainings and things like that, you might not be able to. 
Yeah. Or should you, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you mentioned some of the, uh, the failed lessons from earlier. Uh, what, what, what was the top, top one? Uh, I think I actually already kind of answered that, but, um, yeah, I, it's, you know, maybe you should look back and be like, Oh, maybe you're the problem. Maybe the concept is the problem, but that's not true. I know that it's such a tough, I don't think there's a tougher question to answer than this one. Right. Because, um, it is the most intensive of any other sort of methodology that we might want to practice as far as, um, trying to help people. Um, I think the biggest failure that I had, like I said uh, earlier, is it didn't ever really occur to me back in my early days, and I just put air quotes around early for those of you who are not watching at home, um, that a product demo was just that, right? Like you started at the top, and just like every other SaaS application, you'd basically just go through the navigation, right? And you start at the top, and then just did it down. Um, I was so young and naive back in my 20s. Uh, and that doesn't really help anyone, right? Like my dem my webinar demos were an hour long. This was a very intensive product and I never really did answer the question of what are, what, what questions do these people have? Like is me showing them how this tool works actually solving their problems? And it took me a really long time to figure that out because I think I was trying to make everyone else in the company happy, right? Like I was trying to please the, the C-suite and everyone else by saying, we're going to show this product off to anyone who wants to show up, show up. And we've worked very hard on this product and it's going to solve everyone's problems. But I didn't really think of the person who was attending and who has like one specific problem that they're trying to solve. And back in that product, it was, they need reporting. And I was showing them, you know, something that they didn't even use and that's a, that's a giant failure on, on my part. It's a giant failure. Um, and we tried everything, right? Like just doing certain parts of the tool and just, uh, you know, doing them at different times of the day. And when I was at Zapier, I actually had like open office hours where I would show up every single day, Monday through Friday for a half hour chunk, buried them on every single day. So everyone from around the world could, could come and attend and no one ever did. And it was because again, like it wasn't the right thing. Like just saying to someone, we'll be here if you want to come talk to us. That's not in like people need focus, right? They need that one specific thing that you're going to help them solve. So I think this is a very long winded story, but as failures go, I think that we as support people have the most knowledge about our product. And we know, I bet you, Chase, and I'm sure you too, Jeff, could tell me off the top of your head the two biggest problems that your product solves for someone. Go show them what that is. And there's so... One of the companies that uh, that did this really well, I was just thinking as, as you were talking about that, um, Intercom. When we first tried out Intercom, Intercom is a, is a technical kind of setup that can be kind of intimidating. And the, the class that they had at the beginning um, for like intro people was really well done because it started with, you have this problem. Like you are in customer support and you have this problem. And then it walks through exactly how Intercom works to fix that, to solve that. Uh, they really clever. I don't know if they still did this, uh, do this, but back when I tried it, this was two, three years ago, um, they had a pre-recorded like 15 minute thing at the front and then 
the back half, the, the last 15 minutes was a live Q&A. So that was a really kind of clever way to do it. You know, you're still, you're still kind of sucking at least one person into that, but they were showing things in that, that pre-recorded video that had like three or four people involved in it. So you could see exactly how you would interact with a programmer, how you would interact with somebody else in your support team. Like that was, was really, um, really beneficial for, for somebody that was sitting in on there. But again, it was that one, like you're in customer support, you have this problem. Here's how our tool is going to help with that. And I think, you know, with us, so with Basecamp, we, I've talked about it on the show before. Basecamp is a big believer in the jobs to be done approach. And that's kind of where we're moving towards as far as some of the support documentation. It's you're probably in this job and we're going to help you understand how Basecamp will help you fix that. And that's going to be different than this other person that's over here trying Basecamp for this other job over here. Uh, I think that's where... <laughs> so I was doing an interview yesterday, uh, well, Friday... Thursday, something last last week, sometime, and they were talking about where do you think where do you think customer support is going? You know, like AI and live chat and all that. And I said no, it's it's going to be the personalization of the support documentation. It's going to be us out teaching to carry back to what Jeff was saying earlier. It's us out teaching all of our competitors. It's us knowing what situation the customer is in and then giving them the videos, giving them a Q and A, Q&A, giving them a whatever you want to do to help them at that moment in their situation. And I think that's, that's the key. I think you're absolutely right, Allison. It's that, that whatever that point of view that customer has when they start using your product, that's what you have to carry over into, into any kind of trainings like this that you're doing. One thing that <clears throat> you can't get outside of the live, either the live video or the live Q&A, one thing that you have to kind of solve for if you don't do those is, is the piece, the other piece that I think is a huge responsibility of support teams, which is to pass along feedback to make the product better. When we were doing live demos, um, we would get much better feedback from people that was like, even if they didn't say, oh, here's some feedback for you you would hear them say, oh, now I get, now that you've explained it in this way, I get it. And it's like, okay, great. We can take that explanation and we can put it on our website because that was, you know, for, for 10 classes in a row, it wasn't until we said that that people said, oh, okay, now I really get it. And so I think, I feel like uh, what we're arguing for um, is do not, in most cases, it does not make sense to do the live show. X times a day, invest a ton of time, hoping people will come. Instead, you should create something that people can use anytime uh, and that they know exactly how to jump to the part that, that's helpful for them. But what you have to still solve for is how do we get information back from people around what was helpful, right? We do that through a combination of video analytics, and uh, doc, you know, do our documentation, visiting, you know, visiting data. Where do people go? What pages do they open? Where do they go inside of those pages? Um, we also get that through uh, having teammates dig into the questions that people are asking most commonly in support questions, right? Just following up and saying like, hey, this is coming up a lot. Like, can you give me a little bit more of the insight? We, we get that through using a tool like Full Story that shows people shows you how people are using your app. Um, 
however it is that you that you do it. Maybe it's you bring customers in once a month and you just watch them use it and you just talk to them about their problems. Um, find the solution that works for your context, but you've got to have that way to get those insights back so that as a support team, you're not only fulfilling one side of your commitment, which is to the customer, but you're also fulfilling your commitment to your internal customer to bring insights and data back to the product to make it better. There's just so many questions in there I have about how you do that with data, but I feel like that's another show. <laughs> Cause that one, that's, that's always the tricky one. You know, it's, if you're looking at, I don't, I don't know, call it like page views for instance. Right. So like we're seeing this question shoot up. Um, is that because something in the app has changed to make that part of the app more complicated? Is it because we got listed on somebody's small business website and that crowd coming in just naturally has that one question like how does how does that so like as, as a uh, kind of real world example last friday i was uh, uh, over at a university uh, talking with some folks and and it was really eye-opening like you said because you're walking through showing them like how Basecamp does something and all of a sudden it's oh and i love that moment because that's when it clicks and they can start seeing their process inside of the app and like data gets you kind of there and and maybe that's the answer maybe it's like it's coupled with everything else that you mentioned like that data plus full story plus whatever video analytics that you can get plus support document uh, tickets that you've seen like plus 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 and maybe that's when you get there i don't know but i feel like that's another show I, it's not only a whole nother show, it's a whole nother market. It's a whole nother yeah. product. Um, yeah. I, I, that feels to me like something that we solve through people, right? We've had really robust voice of customer programs um, in the past. And I think our problem there is that the people who run those keep getting hired away because it's such a like tough problem to solve. Um, but uh, that, that feels that has felt right to me in the past, like sitting on top of all those different data points to a mix of quantitative and qualitative. But that feels like an opportunity for like a big computer in the sky, a big robot to eat all that data up and then come back and tell us like, well, it does look like this problem is shooting up, but it's actually due to an ad campaign that you ran that, drew, that only brought in people who want to do that kind of thing. And uh, if you just you know, made that documentation a little bit clearer, actually you would solve the problem because they're not great customers for you or whatever. Um, we don't have any of that right now. And and most teams, I haven't met a team yet that has the focus to really run all those, you know, rabbit holes down and figure out what's going on there. So we just tend to throw the kitchen sink at it. Uh, you know, who doesn't? Um, but uh, that that's, I, I feel like that's my answer. You take a bunch of different contextual clues and as a team lead or even as a team member, you, you've got to be able to start trying to wade through that murkiness to pull them together to say, my hypothesis is we should do this. As opposed to, as opposed to Chase Clement says, do this, so let's do it. I don't know. Chase is usually right. I mean, jury's, Not always. jury's still out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 18, man. Come on. <laughs> oh, Allison, you get last question. Um, if I am, if I'm a support team lead and I'm kind of like 
you mentioned earlier and Jeff mentioned earlier, I'm kind of like uh, toying with the idea of, of doing these live trainings. What's, what's the one thing I should be thinking about to help me make that decision? That is an excellent question, Chase. This is why I'm on the A team. It's why you gotta you, let me jump in on that. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think there's a good answer to that question. Um, well, I always kind of lean back on trust your gut. Um, I think that we don't do that enough. I think we rely on data too much. I'm very anti-data, by the way. I'm anti a lot of things. So, <laughs> anti-data, uh, anti-cat fats in the background. The cat, yeah, the cats are not fighting anymore, so that's good. Um, I think that we get so there's there was a classic story last week. So I'm a big baseball fan. Go Astros! They're going to beat the Yankees tonight. It's going to be a good job. Uh, but there was a great story circulating around last week about Joe Girardi, who's the manager of the Yankees, uh, going to his quote unquote playbook. They had, you know, I guess in baseball now everything is everything is a data point, right? Data, 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 data. And uh, he's like, well, my playbook says I have to make this move right now. And he went and did it and it was completely wrong. And they lost the whole game because of that. When in reality, he probably knew in his gut what the right answer was and just totally disregarded it because the book and the data and everything else said, well, you should do this. So I think that's a good lesson for much of life, including this, where it's like, you might have all the data in the world and do whatever you want, but if it feels right for you, like it's a good experiment that you want to try, just go for it. If you feel like you have a really good grasp on what that one or two or three questions is that you really need to answer for folks, um, then just go try it. If you, you know, if you have the time and the resources, um, you can really spin something up in probably less than a day. It's not that difficult to do. And I haven't done it in two years, but I could probably get a whole thing going in like maybe an hour, you know? So that's not like, it's not about the, the ramp up or anything else. It's just about the overall time that you're going to spend. And, you know, in the short term, that's not a ton of time. And if you, if it feels right to you, I say go for it, which is going to be completely what everyone else will tell you not to do, but I don't care because that's the way that I look at life. If the gut says do it, do it. If the gut says don't do it, don't do it. Right now, my gut says don't do it for high rise, so we're not doing it. I would be very, very overweight, I think, if I went with that. Because <laughs> you just, my, you go with say everything? My gut is always like, that bacon looks really good. I know, I know. <laughs> Even when there's no bacon, my gut's like, you know, there could there be could. bacon. And there probably is a lesson in that too, Jeff, as to where we should not listen to our gut at all times. But when has the gut ever been wrong? I mean. When you eat that 10th piece no, of bacon? There's no, there's no way to know. Um, <laughs> it's fair. My, my, uh, first of all, go Yanks. Uh, my, my <laughs> response to that would be, I think you're absolutely right in that if your gut says there's something here, pursue it. Um, my, my twist on it would be, um, make sure you're thinking about the concept, not just the implementation. So by that, what I mean is, um, rather than saying, okay, it's going to take us two weeks of doing these classes twice a day for a total of, you know, 20, 30, 40 hours, um, in order to have a sense of whether we're right or not, Spin up a tool like, like Soapbox by Wistia. Record a video of yourself showing off the product. Put it on your website. 
And if no one goes and looks at it, if your view count after two weeks is zero, then you don't have something, right? Like something's wrong. Even if you think it's a marketing problem, it's you're still going to have to market your webinar. Don't forget about that either. So I guess uh, separate the implementation from the concept and then look for the cheapest way to test that concept and you'll have a sense of whether your gut is right. And I, I think it's also important to think about timeline. All of our stories were over like a long period of time, a number of years. What's right for your gut in six months or a year's time when your audience is double the size that it is today or your team is double the size that it is today is different from what's needed right now. You just, you gotta, you have to put the, put it out there, see what the reaction is and, and don't be too wedded to your implementation because you're probably, your gut's probably right on concept. You might be, if you're like me, you're totally wrong on implementation every time. I swear y'all stole my answer. It's not fair. We, we, uh, we colluded on that before the yep, show. Chase. You did. I knew it. Anyway, oh, um, yeah, I think you're, so you are absolutely right. It's one of those where you've got to test the concept first. Start with a problem, right? So if you're thinking about classes, then it's because you're, you're seeing some kind of problem that's, that's, that customers are talking about. If your customers aren't mentioning anything like this or um, you're not hearing it in any way, if it's just like, oh, I listened to the Support Ops podcast and like, wow, they, they mentioned it, so now I'm thinking about it. Don't just don't do classes at that point. Like you, you're, you might not need it. it. Your product might be so Fisher price easy. You just don't need it. It might be that easy. Um, so that said, if you are getting those kind of questions and emails from customers, I think Jeff is right. Like the easiest thing you can do right off is straight up record some kind of like intro to your product video and make that available. Um, and kind of see what's going on there. And then say so you, you do that for a little while and, and traffic is going to it, then you might say, hey, we're going to couple that with a, a Q&A twice a week, office hours kind of thing like Allison mentioned, just not every single day. Um, you know, couple that with, with some kind of Q&A and then see where you are. Because at that point, you'll have a really good feel for, A, is this working? Is this leading to conversions? Is this leading to better uh, are customers getting the information that they need from us to use our product? Um, so you'll get that answer and, and you'll get the other answer of, is it worth it? And, and that's what you're really looking for. So test it, test it out small, test it out easy. I guarantee you, you can throw together an intro to your product video in the afternoon and, and then just kind of run from there. Can I also give one tiny other piece of curmudgeonly advice? Don't talk about yourself at the beginning of your webinar. Just don't, don't do it. Nobody cares. I love you all. I'm sure I know that you're great people. I have met so many of you in person and I adore you, but nobody cares about who you are, what your credentials are. Just start teaching. Have you been to those webinars, right? Where the first 15 minutes of it is going through like the litany of credentials that everyone has. It's like, no, uh-uh. Cut it out. If I want to read that, I can read it later. Like if you're not teaching me in the first 30 seconds of that class, everyone is going to leave and the whole point is moot, right? So believe me, I have made that mistake too, but no one cares about who I am. And that is 
uh, about the most curmudgeonly advice I could give, but just something to remember when, if you're going to go down this path. But where am I supposed to put my certification in Microsoft PowerPoint? <laughs> That's a is question that, for Clippy, Chase. Is that LinkedIn? Is that where that goes? Do, yes. I, do I get endorsed for that? Only if you have a LinkedIn Plus account or whatever <laughs> they call it. All right. So that's our take on this one. Let us know how you do it and how you think. You can hit us up on email. We're hello at supportops.co. On Twitter, we're at supportops. Allison, thanks for uh, being on the show again. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. I enjoy being, you know, telling people what not to do. It's a, it's a good time. Love we're it. just learning, learning from mistakes, right? Learning from mistakes. <laughs> Just sharing experience. That's yes, right. it's a shared experience for everyone else. So for folks that didn't listen to your last episode and don't know where to find you online, where, where do they head? Um, well, uh, High Rise is where I spend my every day. Uh, you can find us there at highrisehq.com. Uh, me personally, um, I'm Allison Groves all across the web. That's just one L and Allison because my parents are mildly rebellious. So A-L-I-S-O-N-G-R-O-V-E-S, that's me. All the socials, whatever, you can find me there. And I think I'm Medium too, although I don't really know how that works because have you seen a Medium URL? Good Lord. But yeah, uh, anywhere across the web, that's usually where you can find me. Google search, that's where I am. Google Google search, right. (laughs) And Jeff, as always, you're you're the best. So thanks for being here. Thanks. And if you Google me, you'll find uh, some sort of like a baseball player and a a failed uh, America's Got Talent performer. The trick so, is to look for Jeff's lemonade. And neither of them are me. So uh, <laughs> do that. So thanks again for listening. Go out and do those searches. And until we see you again, have an awesome week. <laughs>